Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, the mysterious death of Elisa Lam. But first, your true crime headlines. An Indiana woman who is charged with the strangulation death of her 10-year-old stepdaughter has chosen to represent herself in court. 34-year-old Amanda Carmack is charged with murder, neglect, domestic battery, and strangulation in the death of Skylie Carmack, whose body was found stuffed into a plastic bag in a shed behind her home four days after she was reported missing. Skylie's six siblings told police that their stepmother is a strict disciplinarian who was physically abusive to them. The 10-year-old had been confined to her bedroom for a week and a half before her murder. In court documents filed last week, detectives detailed Amanda Carmack's confession to the crime. She told police that she first strangled the girl with her hands and then tied something around her neck. She told detectives that she had murdered the child because she was angry and that the argument stemmed from a dispute over a charm bracelet belonging to one of Skylie's siblings. Amanda Carmack is facing life in prison if she is convicted. She is being held without bond while she awaits trial. Though she has chosen to represent herself, the judge has appointed standby counsel on her behalf. A daycare worker in Delaware has been charged with first-degree murder in the death of a four-month-old infant in her care, according to police. 19-year-old Dejanay Ferguson was caring for the child at Little People Child Development Center in Bear, Delaware, a town southwest of Wilmington. She told police that the baby was fussy before she picked her up and set her on a changing table, at which time she placed her hand over the child's mouth and nose. Surveillance camera footage shows that Ferguson left her hand there for up to three minutes. The baby had been moving when Ferguson picked her up, but was motionless when she put her back down. Ferguson waited 20 minutes before alerting other workers that the baby was unresponsive, at which time they called 911. The child was rushed to a nearby hospital where she was pronounced dead. Ferguson is being held on $1 million bail. It was unclear if she had an attorney. The Delaware State Police have indefinitely suspended the daycare's license. A Tennessee police officer has reached a plea agreement in a rape case involving three women who were in his custody. Officer Desmond Logan has agreed to plead guilty on two counts of deprivation of rights, with each count carrying a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison and $250,000 in fines. He will also be required to register as a sex offender. Logan resigned from the force in February, just hours before a disciplinary hearing where he was scheduled to be fired. One of Logan's victims has filed a lawsuit alleging that two high-ranking officers within the Chattanooga Police Department helped to cover up the allegations against Logan, which date back to 2015. Assistant Chief Edwin McPherson and Captain Pedro Bacon, both now retired, are accused of attempting to suppress internal investigation reports. The victim is one of three women who claimed that they reported their rapes to the Chattanooga Police Department, though no action was taken, 
and the statute of limitations has likely expired in the two earlier cases. The most recent incident occurred in June of 2018, and the victim in that case is the one who filed the lawsuit. Chattanooga Police Chief David Roddy told reporters that the June 2018 incident was the first one that his department was made aware of, and that the earlier incidents came to light during the investigation of that case. He went on to call Logan, quote, an absolute disgrace of a police officer and a human being. The husband of a California woman missing since July has been charged with her murder after human remains were found on their property. 33-year-old Heather Waters has been missing since July 15th, the same day that she was released from the hospital after being treated for a broken collarbone. Waters' car was found nearly a month later in El Dorado County, the area from which she had gone missing. She was believed to have been driving the car at the time of her disappearance. Last week, police arrested Heather's husband, 44-year-old Anthony Gamina, on an outstanding domestic violence warrant. At the same time, they served a search warrant on the couple's home. During that search, they found human remains, believed to be those of the missing woman. The El Dorado County Sheriff's Office announced Gamina's arrest in a Facebook post on September 7th, sharing a picture of the suspect in handcuffs. They also stated in that post that in order to protect the integrity of their investigation, no further information would be released. Gamina is being held without bail and will face first-degree murder charges. They also stated in that post that in order to protect the integrity of their investigation, no further information would be released. Gamina is being held without bail and will face first-degree murder charges. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Elisa Lam. But first, a quick break. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On today's episode, the mysterious death of Elisa Lam. In 2013, Elisa Lam was a 21-year-old Canadian student living in Vancouver. Her parents were from Hong Kong and moved to the city to open a restaurant. Elisa had been studying at the University of British Columbia, but in January of 2013, she decided to go on vacation, alone. Elisa called it her West Coast tour. She planned to visit four cities in California, San Diego, Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, and San Francisco. Elisa was on a tight budget, so she would make her way by train and inner-city buses and would post about her solo trip on her blog. In January of 2013, Elisa Lam boarded an Amtrak train bound for San Diego. She visited the San Diego Zoo, took pictures, and wrote about her visit on her blog. Her trip was off to a good start, and every day, Elisa called her parents back in Vancouver to check in and tell them about what she did that day, where she was staying, and where she would be off to next. On January 26th, Elisa arrived in Los Angeles 
and checked into a shared room at the Stay on Main in downtown, better known as the Hotel Cecil. But perhaps unknown to Elisa was the history of the Hotel Cecil itself. Built for businessmen in the 1920s, the hotel quickly fell on hard times during the Great Depression. Though the hotel managed to survive the decay of downtown Los Angeles as Skid Row built up around it, the Hotel Cecil became a notorious flophouse, known for its nearly century-long history of suicides and murder. The Hotel Cecil, now called Stay on Main, was infamous. In 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell woke in the middle of the night with stomach pains. She went to the bathroom and was shocked when she gave birth to a baby boy. She threw the baby out the window. In 1954, Helen Gurney jumped from a seventh-floor window and landed on the Hotel Cecil's marquee. In 1962, 27-year-old Pauline Auten threw herself from a ninth-floor window after an argument with her estranged husband. She fell 90 feet and landed on 65-year-old George Gianni, who was walking by. Both were killed instantly. The same year, Julia Moore jumped from the eighth-floor window, leaving no suicide note. In 1964, Goldie Osgood, also known as the Pigeon Lady of nearby Pershing Square, was stabbed, strangled, and raped in her room at the Hotel Cecil. Her murder was never solved. In 1985, serial killer Richard Ramirez lived in a room on the top floor of the Hotel Cecil. Ramirez went unnoticed in the drug-infested, transient-filled hotel, he simply threw his bloody clothes in the dumpster and reportedly sauntered back into the hotel in only his underwear. In 1991, Austrian serial killer Jack Unterweger checked into the Hotel Cecil as a true crime writer researching the murders of prostitutes. Unterweger murdered three women during his stay at the hotel, strangling them with their own bras. In 2011, the Hotel Cecil rebranded itself as Stay on Main. While locals weren't fooled by the name change, the hotel continued to attract unsuspecting tourists on a budget. Tourists like Elisa Lamb. Elisa checked into her shared room on the fifth floor, but soon the staff at the hotel started to get complaints from Elisa's roommate. There was something wrong with the girl in their room, they said. Elisa was exhibiting odd behavior. After two days of complaints, the hotel staff moved Elisa Lamb to her own private room. Elisa had been diagnosed with bipolar and depression and was prescribed several drugs to manage her condition. She often wrote about her struggles on her blog, Ether Fields. A year prior to her trip, in January of 2012, Elisa wrote of a relapse that had forced her to drop several of her university courses 
leaving her feeling, quote, so utterly directionless and lost. In another post, she wrote, quote, Depression sucks. I have no control over my emotions. I will be angry for two minutes and then sad again. I will be happy for half an hour and then emotional again. So far, all I've done is lay on my bed and watch episodes of Chopped. I'm just waiting for it to pass. After five days of sightseeing in Los Angeles, on January 31st, 2013, Elisa was meant to check out of the hotel and make her way to Santa Cruz. But for the first time, Elisa failed to check in with her parents. They were worried. When her parents tried to call her, Elisa didn't pick up. Elisa Lamb was missing. Elisa's parents called the Los Angeles Police Department, filed a missing persons report, and flew to Los Angeles to search for their daughter. Hotel staff remembered seeing Elisa, the girl who had been moved to a private room. She had been alone and failed to check out. Police searched the hotel, but were hampered by legal restrictions. They brought in dogs to search the public spaces of the hotel, including the roof. But with Elisa only missing, and no evidence yet that a crime had been committed, police did not have probable cause to search every room. The LAPD found nothing. By February 6th, Elisa Lamb had been missing for a week. The Los Angeles Police Department decided to release information to the public about her disappearance in the hopes of finding her alive. And on February 7th, held a press conference on the case that garnered media coverage nationwide. They posted flyers all over downtown Los Angeles, asking that anyone with any information on Elisa Lamb's whereabouts come forward. Katie Orphan, the manager of The Last Bookstore, a popular book and record store in downtown, reported having seen Elisa that day, buying gifts to take home to her family. She was outgoing, very lively, very friendly, Orphan told CNN. She was talking about what book she was getting and whether or not what she was getting would be too heavy for her to carry around as she traveled. It kind of feels like the beginning of a noir novel, she added. Unfortunately, this is real life. Another week passed with no new leads. But the mysterious case was about to take a disturbing turn, one that would put Elisa Lamb on the international stage. On February 14th, the LAPD released a surveillance video taken on February 1st inside the elevator of the Hotel Cecil. In the two-and-a-half-minute clip, Elisa Lamb enters the elevator wearing a red hoodie, gray t-shirt, black shorts, and sandals. She selects several floors and waits. But the elevator seems to be malfunctioning. The door remains open. 
Elisa steps into the open doorway and quickly pokes her head out of the elevator, looking right and left down the hallways, then backs up into the corner of the elevator against the wall, as if to hide. But the elevator door still won't close. Elisa moves again into the doorway and stands there a moment, then jumps out into the hall, looks both ways again, and steps backward into the elevator. Elisa steps out of the elevator a second time, turns to the left, and stands just outside the elevator door, still open. Her right arm goes up to her head. She re-enters the elevator, placing both hands on either side of the doorway as she walks back inside. Elisa goes back to the control panel and presses nearly all of the buttons. She walks back into the hallway and stands in front of the elevator's still open door. As Elisa stands in the hallway, her arms and hands begin moving in a manner that can only be described as unnatural and disturbing. She leans forward, her arms twisting at her side, her palms flat and fingers outstretched. She stops, and Elisa Lamb walks away down the hall to the left. Once Elisa is gone, the elevator door finally closes. The video went viral. On the Chinese video site, Yuku, it had 3 million views and 40,000 comments in just over a week. One comment read, I knew about Elisa Lam, but this is the first time I saw the video. I'm so scared. I'm shaking. I'm numb. The missing girl's mysterious elevator footage spawned theories across the globe. Was Elisa Lam having a manic phase of her bipolar disorder? Was she hallucinating? Or was someone pursuing her? Some even interpreted what they saw in the video as demonic possession. Elisa Lam was still missing, but the disturbing footage from the elevator had already added her story to the Hotel Cecil's dark history. Five days after the release of the videos, guests at the hotel began to complain. The water pressure was low. It looked discolored and it had an odd taste. Hotel employees began to investigate the plumbing, and on the morning of February 19, 2013, Santiago Lopez, a maintenance worker for the hotel, went upstairs to inspect the four large water tanks on the roof of the Hotel Cecil. I noticed the hatch to the main water tank was open, Lopez recalled and looked inside and saw an Asian woman lying face up in the water approximately 12 inches from the top of the tank. It was Elisa Lam. She was naked. Her red hoodie, gray t-shirt, black shorts, and her belongings were floating next to her. 
By noon, authorities were on the roof at the Hotel Cecil. The tank was drained, and firefighters cut it open to remove Elisa's body, which was taken to the county coroner's office for autopsy. On February 21st, the coroner's office concluded that Elisa Lamb's death was an accidental drowning, with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. But how did Elisa Lamb end up in the water tank? The water tanks were eight feet tall, propped up on concrete blocks. The hotel workers needed a ladder to climb up and look into the water. And each had a heavy metal lid, which is difficult to remove. And the roof itself was only accessible either through a locked and alarmed door, which only the hotel staff had access to, or by climbing 15 stories up a fire escape. After Elisa's body was discovered, all of the Hotel Cecil's short-term guests checked out. Horrified and repulsed that they had been drinking water contaminated by a decomposing body for weeks. Those who remained at the hotel signed a waiver stating that they had been made aware of the health risks. The health department issued a do-not-drink order, and the hotel's entire water system was drained and refilled. Despite the coroner's conclusion that Elisa Lamb's death was accidental, caused by a manic episode of her bipolar disorder, the online community had questions. Elisa's blog was updated in the week following her death, and her phone was never found. Was the blog post scheduled? Had someone, possibly her killer, stolen Elisa's phone? Many believed that Elisa's behavior in the elevator showed that she was being stalked by someone, and few could understand how or why Elisa would ever have climbed into that water tank. Suicide seemed unlikely, and almost everyone agreed that no one would drown themselves when they could so easily have jumped off the roof. Others noticed that Elisa Lamb's death bore an uncanny resemblance to a 2005 horror film called Dark Water. In the film, a mother and her daughter, Cecilia, move into a rundown apartment building. Elevator malfunctions, security camera footage, and foul-tasting, discolored tap water eventually lead them to the roof's water tank. In it, they find the body of a little girl in a red jacket, who had been reported missing a year earlier. The strange parallels to the Elisa Lamb case led some to theorize that a killer, perhaps an employee at the hotel, sought to recreate the film in a real-life murder. Four months later, in June of 2013, the full coroner's report for Elisa Lamb was released. Traces of her prescription medication were found in her system, along with common non-prescription drugs, like ibuprofen. No recreational drugs were found in her system, 
and no evidence of physical trauma or sexual assault were found on her body. However, the body had significantly decomposed in the water. Even the toxicologists appeared to be unsure of their conclusion that Elisa Lamb's death was accidental. One page of the report showed a series of boxes to check for the cause of death. Accidental, natural, homicide, suicide, or undetermined. On June 15th, the accident box was checked. But on June 18th, it was changed to undetermined. In 2014, the Hotel Cecil was sold to a New York City property developer for $30 million. And in February of 2017, the Los Angeles City Council voted to designate the Hotel Cecil a historic landmark. The Cecil is currently undergoing renovations to become a boutique hotel. Plans include a gym, a lounge, and a rooftop swimming pool. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.